one. Whew, it's early. You know, it's only really only 8 o'clock right now. I give you guys a lot of credit. You know what? You guys are all going to get a special jewel in your crown in heaven for coming to the daylight saving service an hour early. You are the hardcore people of this church right now. Give yourselves a hand for coming early. Amen. None of that's true, by the way. But anyways, thought I would just... Um, uh, how many of you, um, oh, let me first say this before, I, before we jump, jump into to it today. Um, for those of you that you're praying for somebody and you want to invite somebody to the Easter service at, at, um, at the PAC Center at Wayne Central, um, we want to pray with you over that. And what we'd like you to do is, in the front of every seat is a prayer card. And if you would like to write um, that person's name down, I'm praying for this person that they would come to the Easter service. Um, how many know that, that God is the one that draws, that it's the Holy Spirit? And we want to pray with you on that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate uh, part of our Tuesday night prayer time, which all of you are invited to come to also, uh, on Tuesday nights at 7. And we're going to um, pray for those people by name for you and with you and agree with you that God is going to do a great work in their heart. And so if you want to do that, just write their name down. You can leave your cards at the seat or there's a basket up here in the front. You could put that in there and we will pray for them and we'll agree with you that God's just going to do a great work. And I would just really just just ask you just to continue to pray for, for Easter Sunday that that uh, we would see a harvest of souls and that uh, we would see people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? So it's an exciting, exciting time. Um, how many of you, you, somebody has told you about something that they've experienced and they are so excited about this experience and, and they're trying to translate this experience to you and you're like, that's great, but I've never been there. Or they try to say, hey, what about um, there's this restaurant and they've got the best food and they're trying to say this and, and they're telling you all about this and it's really good for them. But for you, you're like, I haven't experienced that yet. But when you experience, you're like, now I get it because I've experienced it myself. Uh, last fall, I went to my first college football game. I've been to a lot of uh basketball games uh, at Syracuse University, but I've never been to an actual D1 college football game. Really wasn't excited about it, to be honest with you. I'm like, eh, you know, eh, could be our, you know. So I go, well, let's go because uh, we got good tickets and, and Syracuse was playing at that time number one Clemson. I said, this would be kind of cool. So my son Wesley and my dad went and uh, we were in the dome and there was like 50,000 fans in there. And I tell you what, it was fun. It was crazy. Now, you have to experience this. Now, this is my experience, so just enjoy it with me as I share my experience with all of you, okay? And um, it was, once I experienced it, people would tell me about, oh, you got to go to a college, well, it's just great, and the band, ooh. So I'm like, yeah, you know. But actually, I went, I, we had a great time. I was pleasantly surprised at what a great experience it was. I can remember before um, five guys came to our area, I had a friend of mine that says, you have to go to five guys and experience their burgers. I'm like, bro, I live in Rochester, all right? You live in South Carolina. I live in Rochester. We got more hamburger places than you can shake a stick at, okay? We, we got garbage plates. We know how to do it up. You know, we know how to dress it up. We know how to calorie it up. We know how to uh, give, give a cholesterol bomb with it. We know how to do this, all right? So this place coming in is not going to be that great of a deal. I'm just saying, okay? Because we got, well, guess what? I went. And now I'm a believer. I absolutely love 
Five Guys Burgers. They are just, for me, just put one in front of my face. And I just don't get the single one. I get the double. You just got if you're going to go, go big, right? And, and that, what I didn't realize is <clears throat> the first time I went, um, if those of you that, how many of you have ever been to Five Guys Burgers? You, okay. <laughs> We're so bad in Rochester. We're just walking around cholesterol, crazy people. But anyways, um, so I went there and I didn't realize. Um, so I go, man, the fries look really good because they're fresh cut. and They've got the big bag of potatoes right in the middle of the store. And, and I go, boy, these are fresh cut. These got to be good. So I go, well, we'll, you know, we'll get the fries. So I got the large and I didn't realize that the large fry is like half a bag full of fries. So now when I go in, I, I just get a large fry for my whole family. And we just eat the whole thing. And they just dump it in there. And the, and the, and the bag's all greasy. And, and I like vinegar with my fries. So they have the vinegar there. And can I get an amen? I mean, let's, just get, let's, just, let's just pray and let's go right now. I'm, I'm just starving. But once you experience something for yourself, you're like, now I get it. Here's what I want you to realize. As we're going through this series in Mark. God desires for you to actually know him, not just know about him, not just know about a place or a thing or experience at a restaurant. God actually wants to know you and for you to experience him. The last thing God desires in your life is for you to have some dead religious thing, some religious calisthenics that you go through once a week. That's not God's desire for you. He wants to know you. He wants you to experience him and to know him personally. Now, myself growing up in church, um, I knew about God and, you know, I'd go to Sunday school and I knew about you. If you were, you were to ask me, do you think Jesus is God? I would have said, yeah, but, but I didn't know him. I knew about him. I knew about the word, but it wasn't until I became born again that I actually knew God. And he totally transformed my life as a 16 year old teenager. That became the difference. So you can't convince me otherwise that God is real because I've experienced him. He's changed my heart. He lives within my heart. He's, he's, his Holy Spirit is now within me. And God desires you to experience him. As we've been going through the book of Mark, we've been looking at these experiences that, that, that Jesus had with people and, and how these experiences transformed their life. That God actually came in, 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 in this form of man, fully God and fully man, that he would walk amongst us, that we would know him. And what we're going to look at in this section of Mark, in Mark chapter 9, we're going to actually look at that God actually, through his son Jesus, reveals his glory to three disciples, and they actually were able to see and know the glory of God. How many of you, you would say, man, I want to know that glory. I want to know God. I want to experience that for my life. I just don't want to hear, you ever hear that other people say, oh, I just had this experience with God, and it was so, and you're like, man, I wish, how come other people have those experiences? Why don't I have that experience? I I want to encourage you today. God desires for you to experience him and know him too personally. That whether it's just through a morning Bible study, 
that you're reading his word and it just comes alive to your heart. Maybe it's at a service. Maybe it's through a song that we're singing. And all of a sudden, you just feel the presence of God in your life. And he just reveals himself to you in such a real and special way. God wants you to experience him. Not just know about him, but to truly know him personally. And so I want to dig into these chapter and I, I want to look at um, what, what Jesus is doing here and, and why he, he chooses to reveal himself um, to the disciples this way. You, you, so if, if you look at the book of Mark, you can, you can break Mark up basically in two parts. The first part of Mark, we see Jesus as, as fully God and man, and we see him offering forgiveness. We've, we've looked at this as we've been studying Mark. He displays his power, and we've seen Jesus in these wonderful miracles, and he shows us that he's the only one that can give true rest, we talked about that. Um, we see this up close and personal God who came in the form of man to live among us, that he really cares for us. But in the second part of Mark, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see Jesus explaining more of his purpose and revealing his character and who he is. And this is what we're going to see in Mark chapter, chapter 9. We're going to really see the character and who Jesus is, not just maybe a prophet or or a miracle worker, but actually the son of God who is actually God himself. And in in this experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, we're going to see how God stamps his approval and authenticates the person of Christ and who he is. And this is a very powerful moment for the disciples to see this for this reason. They're going to need that. They're going to need that authentication of who Christ is as they move forward in their ministry for God. They're going to need this because they're going to, how many of you know there are going to be times that you're going to go through some rough times in your life? That you're going to experience trials. But let me tell you, let me give you a little secret here. This is what gets you through your trials that you go through. When you've experienced God and you know his faithfulness that he never leaves you or forsake you, You've got something in your memory, in your mind that reminds you that God is still faithful, even though you're going through that trial. And when you've experienced God and his faithfulness and his power, it's in those still small places. It's in those quiet places when you're alone with God, you're devouring his word, you're praying, you're just wanting to know God. And it's in those still quiet moments that you're absorbing God's word and it's experience in your life. Those are the building blocks to help you get through those hard, difficult things in your life. Because you're going to go to that reservoir. You're going to go to that tank and you're going to go back to that and you're going to say, God, I am feeling you right now and I'm discouraged. And I'm going through a difficult time. But I know because you run deep within my soul. There's a reservoir that that I can go to. There's a well that's deeper than my circumstances that I know you're there. That my circumstances may be hurt and may be deep, but your well's deeper. And I'm going to dig deeper and I know you're true and I know you're faithful because I've experienced you. Listen, man, if your well is short, right? Listen. If your well is small, if it's not very deep, if you don't have a lot to draw from, those trials are going to overwhelm you. Those experiences are going to stress you out. God says, I want your well to be deep. And for these disciples, 
and this experience that they're going to have with Christ, what God is going to show them is going to show them, I want to dig your well so deep that you've experienced my son in such a real, real way that no matter what you face in your life, your circumstances and your problems will never overwhelm you. So I, I want to dig into this because I, I believe this is vital for every single one of us in our walk with the Lord. So we see the second part of Mark, and this is what we're diving into, is the purpose of his coming. And so Jesus will walk and talk about his impending death and suffering. Um, and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow. It's going to be difficult for his followers and for many Jews to understand this because for the Jews living at that time, their understanding of the Messiah would come to rescue them from political tyranny, not to die in a tree. Messiahs don't die on a tree. They don't suffer. Um, And so for this, it's going to be hard for them to understand. And we know, looking back, the reason for Jesus coming is to first rescue us from the tyranny of sin and, and ultimately death. But in the second half of Mark's book, we will see the cost in following Jesus, that it's really in denying oneself and taking up your cross that you truly know him which means denying our desires to truly know Christ and to know his glory. And so in Mark chapter 9, Jesus allows Peter, James, and John to experience God and his glory firsthand. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to look at the screen, turn with me to Mark chapter 9, and let's see what happens here on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is incredible, what happens and what they experience, and what they experience with God and what they experience with Jesus himself. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. And so let's look at the transfiguration here. Reading out the NIV version, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters or tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because he was so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus, except for Jesus. And this is an amazing event because what happens here is the three disciples were able to see firsthand God's glory. Now, that may not mean a lot to you right now, but let me explain why this was so important. Because no one stood before God in his glory and did not die. So these disciples were able to see firsthand the glory of God and not die in his presence. And there's a reason for that. But I want you to realize this doesn't make a lot of sense unless we understand the glory of God and how God showed up in certain situations. And and the example of this, it's reminiscent of when Moses went to Mount Sinai and God came down in a cloud and Moses begged God that he would see his glory. Moses says, God, I want to know you. I want to see your glory. I want to experience you. And so God says, okay. So here we have the children of Israel being led out of captivity from Egypt over 400 years. They're led into the wilderness. And this is where God establishes his relationship 
with the Hebrew children. And so Moses was their leader. And so what Moses did is he goes up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, to meet with God, to receive the commandments of God and how God was going to establish his relationship with his children from this moment forward as he begins to lead them to the promised land that he promised them in Canaan. And so now Moses being the leader, he says, I want to know you. Now, the children of Israel are down on the side of the mountain. They're like, you go for us, Moses. That's all right, because we're really afraid. Because when the Shekinah glory came down on that mountain, they knew you don't want to be in that presence or you would die. They understood that. So they go, Moses, you go for us. Okay, that's all right. Have fun, Moses. We'll see you later, right? So Moses goes up, and let me explain what happens here. Exodus 33. And let me, let me share with you the glory of God that Moses experiences on that mountain. And I'm going to look, re, look at Exodus 33, verses 18 through 23. And it says, so here we have this conversation. And Moses says to the Lord in verse 18, now show me your glory. And then the Lord said this. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I I, I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Now, now, this is the protection that God had because nothing unholy could stand in front of a holy God without dying. And so this is what he says to Moses. I'm going to allow my presence to pass by you. And he gives him strict instructions. The Lord said to him, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by and when, and then I will remove my hand and, and you will see my back, but my face, you must, you must not see or it must not be seen. And so what we have here is Moses wasn't able to directly see God or this glory and live. Now, here, here, what we see here is even though Moses didn't see God's glory, his face, when he walked down, off of that mountain shined and glowed with God's glory. In fact, when he came down, the people were kind of afraid because they're like, you've been in the presence of God. There was a glory about Moses. And when he came down from the mountain, all the people could see that he was in the presence of, his, of, of God. His, his face, the word of God says, literally reflected God's glory. What a sight that must have been. Moses was able to stand and come near God and experience his glory. What an amazing experience that was for Moses to experience the glory of God. He desired it. He wanted to know God. Listen. He wanted to know God, God allowed him to come near. Moses was not perfect. 
Moses was a sinful man, just just like every single one of us. But Moses' desire was to come near God and God allowed him to come near. So never think to yourself, God, why can't I experience you or know your glory? God says, it's not me that's stiff arming you. It's you from not wanting to know me. All who seek me, I will let myself be known. Come with an open heart and you can experience my presence. Amen? Are you guys still awake? I know it's early. It's 820, so just let you know. Okay. So let's see what happens here. His face reflects God's glory. And the cloud that came down is known as the Shekinah glory. Now, let me explain to you what the Shekinah glory is. This is a word that you're not going to find in the Bible. But Jewish rabbis coined this term. And it's an idea that's clearly seen in the Bible. It's a form of a Hebrew word that literally means he caused to dwell. It was God's divine visitation. So the word Shekinah glory It literally means in the Hebrew, it means to cause to dwell. God's Shekinah glory filled the temple. It was from this that God spoke. It was from this place the high priest would offer the sins for the people of God. So what you would have in the, in, in the, in the, in the Hebrew camp, in the middle of their camp, would be the tabernacle, the place where God would be, the place where they would worship, the place where, uh, uh, the place where they would offer up sacrifices for their sins. And when God's cloud came down, his Shekinah glory, the people knew here is God's presence. When the high priest would go once a year and offer up on the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, when he would go in and offer up, the sins of the people and sprinkle the blood on the atonement cover. That Shekinah glory would be in that place because the high priest could not see God or be in that glory directly without losing his life. And so for the people, they knew here is God's presence. God is here. God is among us. He's among our people. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear those that are around us. God's presence is with us. He is going to lead us. He's going to lead us by a cloud by day and fire by night. We're not going to move unless that cloud moves or the fire moves. God's presence is with us. And Moses got to experience that. You see, the reason it was fatal to see God was for this reason. God is holy and nothing unholy could stand in his presence. And so what we see in this tabernacle or the temple is a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle. And only the high priest could enter in to this holy place once a year to offer up the sins and to atone for the sins of the people. Now, they'd have to do this year after year because their sins were always before them. It was a reminder that their sins were only temporarily covered. And so the people of God would have this, could visibly see the cloud envelop the tabernacle, and this was God's glory. Now, let's go back to our story in Mark chapter 9. What is, how does this correlate with Mark chapter 9? Well, this is what's interesting. There was something different on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses reflected God's glory, and all the people could see it. However, Jesus emanates the glory of God from himself. Now, why is that so important? Moses was a representative of God to the people. 
So when he came down, they saw his glory. They knew that he was kind of the go-between between God and his people, representing God to his people and the Ten Commandments and the law of God. That's why Moses was at the Mount of Transfiguration. He represented the law of God. He was a representative. He could only reflect it, but Jesus literally emanated that glory. Why? Because he was God himself. And what God is saying is, my son is here who is God. He's not only my representative, but he is God. He's greater than Moses. He's fulfilled all the requirements of the law because he's the perfect son of God. Does that make sense? Man, this is such good teaching. Okay, so let's, let me explain it this way. Let me explain it this way. What's the difference between a star and a planet? Well, one reflects and one emanates. Uh, that is why a, uh, when you look at um, a star, it twinkles. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, right? Because it, it's literally emanating its own power. The moon reflects the light of the sun. The earth reflects the light of the sun. Stars produce their own light, basically producing their own glory. Elijah and Moses could only point to the glory of God and tell about it. Jesus just doesn't show the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. And so this is important because what we, we can see this reiterated for us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says this about Jesus. The Hebrew writer says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The very same thing. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So what does that mean? Well, Let's go back to the tabernacle, okay? Because I got another hour to preach because it's only 825. I'm just saying, okay? Just saying, okay? Um, just kidding. So let's go back to the tabernacle. So what does this mean that Jesus sat down? Well, for the priest, there's no furniture. There's no place to sit in the tabernacle for this reason. Their job was never done. This, the, the offering they made to God was only temporary. And so for that time, God forgave them of their sins if the offering was accepted because it's only temporary. There's no place to sit there reminding them you're going to have to come back next year and do the same thing. Here's the huge thing about Jesus. When Jesus sits after his sacrifice, right? The significance of that means this. It's done. It's completed. There is no more need for any other sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice was perfect and fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrifices. So by bringing Moses and Elijah, Moses represents the law of God and Elijah represents the prophets of God. So listen, 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 listen. When they leave and Jesus is the only one there, what God is saying is this. Jesus is the fulfillment of the commandments and all the words of the prophets. Jesus is the only one left standing there. He's fulfilled these very things before your very eyes. That's why God, when he speaks out of the cloud, he says, listen to him. 
This is my son. Everything has been fulfilled. He doesn't just reflect my glory. He is my glory. He emanates glory. He is God. This is who you listen to. So Jesus is identical to God, fully God, is part of the triune Godhead. So the question is this. Let's go back to this question. The question is, why did the disciples, why why didn't they die in God's presence? Peter is terrified. Peter doesn't know what to say. So this is what Peter says to Jesus, which actually makes sense if you you understand the, the passage. He says, let's build three tents. That's what it literally means. Not just shelters, but tents or tabernacles to actually protect us from God's presence, which is the right thing for Peter to say because he understands the consequences of seeing God. So he says, listen, let's build these tabernacles or these tents so that we can come close to God without dying. So that's not a bad thing to say. Um, Probably understanding and the presence of God and the holiness of God. You see, when Moses descended from Mount Sinai, the people were afraid because they could see Moses' face in the reflection of God's glory and they were afraid to die. That's why they were afraid. And Moses had to veil his face. So at this very time, on the Mount of Transfigurations, God's Shekinah glory comes down and God speaks from this cloud and God says, Listen to my son. And after God speaks, the cloud is gone. Jesus is left. And Moses, who would represent the law, and Elijah, who would represent the prophets, are gone. And Jesus is the only one there. Jesus came to bridge the gap. He is the fulfillment of the sacrificial system, the law, the fulfillment of the voice of the prophets. Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. The disciples are right there in the midst of God's glory. They hear him speak and they do not die. Here's the reason why. Jesus is there. He is the fulfillment of the high priest because he would give himself as a sacrifice for their sins and our sins. And so they experience who God was in all of his wonderful, wonderful glory. And what they experience is this. They experience true worship. To seek and know God for whom he truly is. They believe in God, but at this moment, they have truly experienced him and his glory. And here's why I go back to what I said in the beginning of the, of the message. God doesn't want us to simply know him. He desires us to actually experience him and to experience his presence. Now, I think, th- I think rightly so, we should have an awesome respect for God and his presence. Th- th- there should be an awe and a wonder of who God is and what he does. That, that he doesn't accept anything unholy. That God can strike down anything in his presence because he is creator and he's perfect in all of his ways. But the Hebrew writer says that because of Christ, we can now boldly approach the throne, that throne of grace, that we can find mercy and help in our time of need. Not because of me. And I think some of you here today, you're in timid 
to truly experience and know God, maybe for a couple reasons. Maybe because you feel you're unworthy and your sins are too great. That's why you have to immerse yourself in Christ. Because what Christ experienced for you on the cross by taking all of our sins, all of them, all of them, the nasty, unspoken things that no one would want to talk about. He experienced all that for us. He was our substitute on that cross. And the reason why I have confidence to come to the throne of God is not because of me. Because I'm going to die in that presence, right? But who do I come through? I come through Christ. And I say, God, I am not worthy to come in your presence. But I put my faith in the one who did everything for me. And I lay these sins before you because, not because that I'm worthy and I've done all these great things or not done these great things, because Christ is worthy and he accomplished it for me. And so I immerse myself in Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And so I come through Christ. He is my intercessor. He is my counselor. He is the one I go through. Because he paid it for me. And so, so w- w- what God says is, this is how you're going to experience me. You're going to experience me through my son Jesus. And so for the disciples, they're sitting there saying, okay, we don't need the tabernacle anymore because Jesus is here. He's the perfect tabernacle. He's here. He's the one that protects us because he's the one that's fulfilled all these things for us. Now, what what is this to do for the disciples? Well, here's the reason why. This experience with God would prepare them for what they would face. No matter what they would face, they could know that Jesus is the one who says who he is and that he is the truth of God. That they can trust God. And, and so when they go, when they're going to go through their, through their trials, which they, which they were, what they could say to themselves is this. When Jesus leaves, he says, I'm going to send you another comfort. He's going to give them the Holy Spirit to work in them, to give them power. And he gives us, the church, the Holy Spirit to work in power. And, and, and as they go through their experience and they go through their trials, what they can always remember is this. Remember the mountain? Do you remember the mountain? Do you remember when we heard God's voice and we saw his Shekinah glory come down in a cloud and he spoke through that cloud and he said, this is my son. Do you guys remember that? Let's not give up. And so I believe Peter and, 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 and listened to this because he knew what he was going to go through. I, I believe with all my heart, Peter leverage that experience later in his life. I believe he did. And I believe he used that maybe to encourage others to say, hey, hey, guys, don't give up. You know why? The mountain. I was there. And I heard God's voice. And I, we experienced his glory. And, and we can't give up. Because Jesus is who he says he was. And we can trust him. No matter what we may face, no matter what we're going through, Jesus is going to walk with us through it. We can't, we can't give up. Remember the mountain. And here's what I would say to you. For those of you that when you go through difficult times, 
lean on those experiences that you had with God in the past. Right? And you can look back and you can say, did God not get me through that? Yeah. Then why am I so fearful about this? Is this any different than this? No. It may be different, different feelings, different emotions, different experience. But is it the same God? Yeah, it is. And so what we need to do is we need to leverage. We need to lean on those things that got us through in the past and say, is God not faithful? Yeah, he is. God is faithful. And whether it's this experience or that experience, God is going to get us through it. So God doesn't want us to simply know about him. His desire is to actually experience him, to experience his presence for this reason. Because God wants to use those experiences in your life to show you that he is faithful. That his word is trustworthy. That he'll never leave you or forsake you. No matter what they would face, they would know that Jesus is with them and will never leave them. And I, and I, and I just call this the power of just being present. That God is always present. He is always there. You know, how many of you, you went through something difficult in your life and, and you remember that one person that they didn't really say anything to you. They didn't try to make the situation any better or try to give you these grandiose words of wisdom, but they were just there. And you remember that person that was just there and just sat with you and just was your friend. How many of you, when you've gone through a really difficult trial in your life, you really don't recall anything anybody's ever said, Right. And, and I can remember, you know, going through the, the trial of Kathleen I 20 years ago, losing our first child to a rare heart defect. And I, I just, you know, that experience, I lean on. Because God was faithful. And that experience has so deeply, has been so deeply entrenched in my heart and life. And, and God uses that for his glory. I believe that with all my heart. And I can remember before she went into her first um, surgery. And I, you, you want to do something, you don't know what to do. And I said, you know, I can give blood because we had the same blood type. So they said, yeah, you could do that. I said, all right. So I went down to the hospital. And I can remember the drive was like a 30-minute drive from where we lived to the hospital in Charleston. And I remember going down there to give blood. And I remember just feeling just alone, fearful, not knowing what was going to happen. And I remember I got there and I had a good pastor friend of mine that I would meet with weekly for prayer. His name was Joe. And Joe was there. I didn't expect Joe to come. I was just going by myself. I said, Joe, why'd you come? He goes, well, you mentioned it last week and I just wanted to be here for it. Joe never didn't say a whole lot to me. Didn't try to make it better. Didn't preach at me. Didn't give me a bunch of scriptures at that time. He just sat there with me. I never forgot that. It's the power of being present. That somebody was just there. Just to be my friend. I never forgot that. I don't really remember a whole lot of what anybody said 
Tamir, Kathleen during the trial. I just don't. Not that people didn't say nice things or tried to help and pray. I'm not saying those things are wrong in themselves, but I just don't. It was so traumatic. I just don't remember. But I remember the presence of a friend. That's God's glory. He says, I am ever present. That's what I want you to lean on. How many know we can have a we can have a head full of knowledge of scripture and we can have things so memorized, right? Which is good. But how many know when you go through a trial and you're like, man, but God, I, I need to know it's gotta go from here to my heart. I want to know that I know that this is true. And I believe that's where we experience God's glory. God says, seek me and you will know me. And I believe when we are in his presence and we understand his glory and we worship him and we focus on his goodness and his promises, God speaks his love to us through his son and in his presence is where we hear his voice. And we hear his voice as, I love you. And sometimes I think we need to hear these words that you're my son, you're my daughter. And I've given everything to reach you. And some of, I think some of you need to hear that today. The, the verse that, um, one of the verses that really helped me get through that time in my life was John sixteen thirty three, And um, John is speaking these words to his disciples because he's getting ready to leave and they're, they're fearful. They're like, where are you going? What, what's going on? They, they don't have complete understanding of everything. Bits and pieces they understand, but they don't have a complete understanding of everything that's going on. And let me just finish with this verse and then we're just going to sing in song as we close the service this morning. John sixteen thirty three says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so for for those of you that you're going through a difficult time, you're going through a trial, which we all will, lean on what God has done for you in the past. And so as your pastor, I want your 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 well to be deep. And so for me, going through that experience with our first daughter caused my well to go so deep. Because I had to dig for God after that. I mean, I had to really get, I mean, I'm like, God, I need to know you. I just, I got to know you. I just, I have to know you. I need to, I need to experience you in a real way. Not just head knowledge, but I want to know you. And I believe through that experience, God used it to make my well really deep. And he's still making my well, because the well changes for me, right? (laughs) And I believe that how we make that well deep is by continually seeking his face, reading his word, allowing the experience in those trials to cause us to depend more on him. And then when you go through those trials, you can look back and say, God, you were faithful 20 years ago, and you're going to be faithful today. And God allows you to draw from that well so that he can give you his peace, his presence, and his glory to know that he's real, he hasn't left you, he's not going to forsake you, and he still loves you today.
Listen, some of you are going to the wrong well. You're just going to the wrong well. Going to the well of the world and all this other stuff that, that is not helping you. Jesus says, come to my well. That's where you're going to find your joy and your peace, the rest that you're looking for today. So as we pray and as we just close in service today, as we just sing this, this song, I, I love the song that we're going to sing today because it, it rejoices in how we've been changed by Christ and how heaven shouts over us when, when we've been redeemed. And so as we sing this today, I just want you to experience God's presence and I just want you to really sing the words. I know we sing it from our head sometime, right? And we just go. But I want you to look at the words. I want you to sing them. And if you need to just reach out to God in your situation, just let it happen. If, if you want to come forward and just pray at the altar, whatever you need to do, just do it. God's waiting. He's here. He's, he's not going anywhere. And um, let God speak to your situation. And come to Christ today and allow him to bring you his peace that he wants to bring to us today. I just thank God for his grace because I'm such a mess up and I've messed up so much in the past. And I thank God for a savior who receives me and loves me and forgives me and cleanses me through his precious blood. Amen. We have a lot to be thankful for today. So let's stand and let me pray for you today. And let's just, let's just, reach out to the Lord today. God, I uh, thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just at this moment, right now, right now, that your glory would just envelop us. That for those that are doubting, for those that are struggling, you would just speak to them right now. And they would know that you're real. We can trust you because you are. So let us just experience your glory and your goodness in our hearts and our lives. Thank you that your promises are true. That you never leave us or forsake us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for your promises today. So as we just worship you now, may we just... Lay our lives at your feet, God, and just experience your presence. In Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord today. God bless you.